0: Will you stand together for the reading of the Word of God in a responsive reading? And what I'm asking you to do is um, simply say, every time I lift my hand, you say, as the, Lord as the Lord commanded. So in Exodus chapter 40, the very last chapter that we are now jumping into, the book of Exodus, it says, Moses did everything according to all. As the Lord so he did it. In the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put it in its poles and raised its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it. Yes, he took the testimony and put it into the ark and put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside, the, outside of the veil and arranged the bread on it before the Lord. Yes, Lord he put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord. Yes, Lord he put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil and burned fragrant incense on it. He put in place a screen for the door of the tabernacle, and he set the altar of incense, the burnt offering there, at the entrance of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, put water in it for washing, with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet, and they went to the tent of meeting, and when they approached it, they washed. washed so Moses finished the work you may be seated it is interesting that in Exodus chapter 40 we now come to this climactic moment as we've been walking for several months through the book of Exodus where it simply lets us know that Moses and the people are doing all that the Lord had commanded it forces right away a question of what is the Lord commanding of you what's the Lord commanding of me What's the Lord commanding of all of us? Because then it lets us know they did all of these things as the Lord commanded. When God said go and do this, they went and they did it. It wasn't much of there. There was no argument. At least at this moment in their relationship, we know that the relationship between the people of God, the Israelites, and even Moses and God was somewhat tenuous at times. But here, for this moment in time, they're being obedient to the commands of God, as the Lord commanded they did. I'm curious to know if that's how we can respond as well. If somebody were to come to us and say, hey, listen, whatever the Lord says, you just automatically do it. And I'm curious to know if people would look at us and go, man, whatever the Lord wants of them, they just do it. They don't question it. They're just obedient to God. Whatever the Lord commands, they take off and they go do. Right away, I start to think about what that relationship with God is for us. Because here, Exodus chapter forty. The Lord is stepping in. He's concluding this amazing journey, and there's more to discover about this journey, and there are more details to even know. But the Lord steps in, and the very reason He brought them out of Egypt is to reveal His glory. We need to remember a little bit of the progression of what took place. For 400 years, people of Israel in Egypt, and you're going, okay, I've heard the summary before. You're going to keep hearing the summary because we forget so easily. For 400 years, they're in Egypt. They end up living in captivity and slavery. And Moses, he was a little baby because they were killing all of the Israelite sons, the boys. They put them in a, in a basket. They sent them down the Nile River. The daughter of the Pharaoh picks him up and says, hey, I'm going to have this baby. And as a result of that, he grows up for the first 40 years living there in the temple with. Pharaoh and all of his people, but then he ends up killing an Egyptian. He takes off, runs away because it says Pharaoh is going to kill him, but then God begins to speak to him. He appears to him in a burning bush, says, hey, guess what you're doing? He's like, what? You're going back and you're going to deliver my people, set my people free. So Moses says, no way. God says, yes way. Moses says, okay, goes back. Jumps back into Egypt and he Goes to Pharaoh and says, you're going to set the people free? And then he's like, sure. And then he says, no. And then he's a plague. Okay, I will. And then he doesn't. Ten different plagues over and over. Finally, they go through the Dead Sea. They're finally free. They're no longer in captivity. They're experiencing what it is to be with God. But the people, instead of rejoicing and praising God, going, wow, this is fantastic. They say, wow, we just want more. And all they did was grumble and Complain. complain. That was a relationship between israel and the people but god continued anyway and he really spoke to the people through moses he went up on the mount sinai in the wilderness there and he gave them the commandments he gave them the laws he gave them the instruction for the priestly garments and for the tabernacle and everything else he has this opportunity where moses is up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights and even though they had the debacle of a golden calf of of dishonoring god because the very first commandment is have no other gods they create a god anyway and they made a huge mistake. God was going to kill them all, but he doesn't. But 3,000 did lose their life. And then finally, they began to recognize the fullness of who God is. And they began to obey to the degree of where Moses even came to the people. And he says, listen, I need you to bring all of your resources. I need you to bring all of your gifts. I need you to bring all of your talent. I need you to bring all of your craftsmanship. And I need you to bring everything that you have so that we can build a tabernacle. And the people, the craftsmen, were training others to do their work so that they could do it all together. And the people were bringing so many resources. Hopefully you were here last week, remember? Here comes Moses that stands before the people and says, stop bringing. We have so much, stop bringing. And all of you started chanting, remember? Will you say that? Will you say that? I'm not going to say that, because we have work to do in in the name of Christ, amen? But here's Moses saying, this is how generous they were with their gifts and their skills and their talents and their resources. And they just kept bringing and kept bringing and kept bringing. And now they're being obedient to God. So here in Exodus chapter 40, we see the presence of God coming. And the presence of God is what matters the most. If there's no presence of God The glory of the Lord, if there's no glory of the Lord in the temple, the temple is just a tent. So we see the tabernacle being completed, assembled for the very first time. All of the furnishings are anointed for consecration, and the glory comes down tells us in 34 through 38 the very last verses of this book it says then the cloud covered the tent of meeting we know that the lord was in the cloud it says the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the lord filled the tabernacle and moses was not able to able to enter the tent of meeting because a cloud settled on it and the glory of the lord filled the tabernacle throughout all of their journeys whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle the people of israel would set out but if the cloud was not taken up Then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up, for the cloud of the Lord was on their tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, and the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. The tabernacle was constructed. The tabernacle was completed, and God comes and hovers over the tent. Moses is going to enter, and he can't. Why? Because the glory of God so filled the temple that he could not enter. And as I said previously, without God, that tabernacle is just a tent. Friends, without God's presence, this place is brick and mortar. But with God's presence, this is his house. Amen. God was so with the people. God was so with the people. There was, it's like there wasn't even room for Moses, and the glory of the Lord shined down amongst them. And one of the things you will learn today, we have no vocabulary in English or in any other language that can actually describe the greatness of the glory of God. And yet the glory of God was present with them. And the glory of God was so with the people. You know that they were living in one of the greatest moments of their life, but without God's glory, they knew they had nothing. It's as though for at least this moment in time, the people of Israel, the people of God, knew they needed God's presence. Do you desire God's presence more than you desire God's blessings? Now, we can argue that God's presence is God's blessing. I would certainly tell you that biblically. But sometimes we are such in a mode of asking for God to do this, this, or this. When really, guys, if God simply makes his presence known, we can't handle it. Without God's glory, it was just going to be a fancy tent. Without God's glory in this place, it's just brick and mortar. And it's the same of anything else. Without God... Relationships, And this is maybe something we could do together. Maybe on your sheet of paper you write, without God and with God. I'm going to give you some examples of what happens when you are without God in particular things. Some examples of what happens when you are with God in particular things. Because often we don't walk through life going, I just want God's presence. I just want God's presence. And if you're a lover of Jesus, you should... Every decision you are making, every breath that you are breathing, every word that you are speaking, every act that you are making, action, all of these different things are a reflection of God's presence and God's glory living within your life. Every single bit of it, but we often say, God, just make yourself known, your presence, Holy Spirit, fill me, have your way with me, whatever you want. If you're present, you can do things I could never imagine. But without God, relationships are void of true meaning. Hear me say this now. Without God, relationships are void of true meaning. That's why I tell people all the time. They're like, hey, I'm going to get married. She, you know, he or she, they don't know the Lord. I'm like, don't marry him. They're like, well, you don't know him yet. I'm like, I, you're not equally yoked. Without God, and that's between two people, both of you, allowing God to be in that relationship, two shall become one. As soon as you get married in a covenant before God, it is not you and the other. It's the two of you reflecting God's greatness. Knowing that, then I'm going, well, then you can't you can't get married to him. There's no such thing as evangelism marriage. And so without God, relationships are void of true meaning. Without without God, jobs are simply mundane tasks rather than a calling to fulfill. Without God, churches are brick and mortar holding on to traditions and preferences. Without God, resources and Finances end up being distractions and idols. But with God, relationships reflect Christ. With God, relationships are both sharpened and encouraged. With God, jobs are no longer mundane tasks but mission fields. With God, hobbies are opportunities to speak about Jesus. Not to indulge in self-desire. With God, resources and finances are tools to build God's kingdom. And when a church or in, when any organization that claims to believe in Christ... claim that they can accomplish its call and its purpose without the presence of God... And his glory, it is never a call that ends up honoring God, only man. Friends, Chapel Point is blessed by God. I will tell you that directly, but I will also tell you this. Chapel Point will remain and keep a posture that is desperate for God to fill our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our words, our actions. We chase nothing but God. Period. And if we think we can accomplish something on our own, it is of self and not of God, and I want nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter if it's logical. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. I tell a lot of you often, I was like, people are like, well, this just doesn't make sense. Show me one time. I offer people a $100 bill all the time. I can never do it. Never get, I'm offering you all this, but if you can't do it, you got to give me $100, so just know this. Show me one time in Scripture where somebody, the world says, man, God wants you to do this. That makes perfectly good sense. But with God, when God is present, God's glory comes and fills them. And they begin to be obedient to him. Amazing things take place. God fills, God's glory fills the tabernacle. And God was pleased. I truly believe God was pleased with with Moses' obedience during this time. I believe God was pleased with Israel's obedience during this time. So here he comes to dwell with the people. The presence of the Lord, Yahweh, is dwelling with them. Exodus 29, 45 through 46 is coming to fruition. So at this point, Moses is still on top of the mountain. He had been there for 40 days and 40 nights. He's still there receiving instruction from God, from the Lord. He's up on top of Mount Sinai, and the Lord speaks to him and says, I will dwell among the people of Israel. I'll dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. They shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Now, there is a connection between the obedience of Israel, the obedience in Moses, and the dwelling, the display, the dwelling of God, the display of God's glory. Friends, obedience matters, but you have to make sure you think about it the the correct way. The obedience of Israel didn't earn the display of God, right? The display of God's glory, but their obedience welcomed it. One of the things that is spoken about that sometimes there's confusion is faith and works Pretty much every world religion is determined by works. It's determined by how good of a person you are. How much do you do? And as a result of that, even Muslims, et cetera, you can become a god yourself. Latter-day Saints, you yourself can become a god. And the better you are, the more you do, the more you earn. Friends, you can't do enough to earn salvation. Only the blood of Christ does that for you. you got to hear it. And so our, it's not that our obedience is, oh, if I'm good enough of a person, if I obey enough, then I have it. So It's not that your obedience earns the display of God's working in your life, the display of God's glory in your life, God's presence in your life. However, your obedience does welcome it because what you're saying is, hey, I'm going to remove things in my life that are preventing God from stepping in and having his full place within me. And in this season, what we encounter are the people of God, the Israelites, Moses, surrendering and submitting to God, being obedient to God. Remember to where Moses is saying, we've got enough, guys. Like, come on. Their posture shifted. Some of our postures need to change. About a, just, over, well, just under a week ago, since last Sunday I went to a friend. They're like, okay, you always say that mature." Mature uh, leaders invite what? Accountability. They're like, so I'm going to invite accountability. And they looked at me and they said, Tell me one thing I need to change. And I said, Smile. Like, tell your face that your heart has been surrendered to something known as Jesus. They're like, Well, that hurts. I'm like, Huh. Yeah. But they came back. I saw them in the first service. It's good. And it's like, wait a second here. Our obedience impacts our posturing before God. God doesn't love us anymore because we obey, but when we walk in God's truth and God's word, there is a blessing because God's presence is more with us. as a result God is sitting in us and we're going to learn here in a second because now today we are the tabernacle we are where God chooses and desires to dwell and when God dwells within us we know that he can direct us that he He does control our action and our speech and our language and our, our decision making and the relationships that we have and everything else So, why says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 right? a popular passage trust, the Lord, trust in the Lord with all of your heart lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. when you have the indwelling of God in your life God's glory sitting amongst your life you'll be directed by him and friends we must stop talking about who we think we are in terms of the flesh God says clearly that when you give your life to Jesus, you are now a new creation in Christ. Stop holding. I am begging you. You will know freedom like you've never known it before. Will you stop holding on to the past so that you can step into the hope of the future that is only known in Jesus? It is not found in anything else. So God's glory is abiding with Israel. You've got the whole debacle, the incident with the golden calf, all of that. I get it. But now they're walking with God, and God is with them doing amazing things. And even though Israel, and maybe some of you think that, man, you don't understand, I'm in the desert. Well, Israel also had numerous enemies. And you're going, well, I have numerous enemies. And at times, Israel was weak, and you're going, don't you understand, I'm weak. And sometimes they were rebellious in their spirit, right? And sometimes you are rebellious in your spirit. But guess what? God still met with them. That's called good news. And so here they are. God dwelled among the Israelites in the tabernacle. Moses had completed the work as the Lord commanded. He had done everything that the Lord had commanded and instructed, and they're doing all this. And now the presence of God was just right in the center of all of them. And it's amazing to think about. And as, the, as God is dwelling with the, the Israelites in the tabernacle, today he desires to dwell in the follower. John, I've got several verses I'd like you just to write down. Because this is is crux for us. Crux of the moment. Gospel of John, chapter 14, 16 through 17. It says, 14, 16 through 17. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither, neither sees him nor knows him, You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be with you. He will be in you, it says, literally in Greek. So as God was in the tabernacle, as God's glory was made known there, now God wants to reveal and make his glory known in you. You are the new tabernacle. That's why this matters. It's very simple. My care of this is a reflection of my eagerness for God to dwell with me. And I'm not talking about just physically. Yes, physically matters. But even in the desire to wake up in the morning and jump straight into Scripture. Because to me, that is the perfect Word of God. This right here, in its entirety, is the authoritative Word of God. And we're to live by all of it. All of it. You can't pick and choose. There's no such thing as a partial gospel. It's called the full gospel for a reason and so we now have an opportunity just as God's glory dwelt in the tabernacle we have an opportunity to allow God to dwell within us and so I want God's perfect word in my heart shaping my heart softening my heart because sin hardens your heart friends When you have the idol of money or if you're addicted to porn or you're drinking too much or you're dealing with drugs or you're dealing with bad relationships and people pulling you away from God, those things end up over time. If you don't cope with them, they will simply harden your heart more and more and more. And I want my heart to be pliable according to Holy Spirit so that my body and my life can be a temple for him. They built a dwelling place for Yahweh. Well, now we too have a dwelling place for God, for Yahweh. The thing is, we have to ask ourselves are we welcoming God by the way we treat our mind, heart, and physical body in a way that honors Him and that invites Him in? Now, this is called real life talk. As I've even prepared for us hearing about the temple of God and that today we're the temple of God, I have prayed a lot because this is a subject that I could go down very quickly where I could really upset some people. And part of my mind goes, well, I've never cared about that before. But then part of me goes, yeah, but I want to do it in a way that however people need to hear it. Friends, let me just say it like this. Your physical body, your mental body, your emotional well-being, all of it is tied to your Ability, your desire for God to dwell in you. Everything you do with this mentally, in your heart, and in your physical body is a reflection of your desire to have God dwell in your life. Everything. 1 Corinthians three sixteen through 17 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple? Ooh. And that God's Spirit dwells in you? Just that should make you run out of this place with so much enthusiasm, with so much zeal, because what this says is, is very simple. You're God's temple, God dwells in you, and I love you that much. The God of creation is saying, I'm with you. Woo! Right? But what we do instead is we go, that's pretty cool news. We step out of this place and we live life the same way we lived it yesterday. When you encounter God, you're not the same tomorrow as you were yesterday because God has transformed you by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Ephesians 2, 18 through 22. So we we'll read verse twenty-two very quickly. It says, "In Him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. You are being built into a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. You you must ask yourself: Are you allowing your body, physically, mentally, all of it, to prepare for God's presence to live in your life?" I'm so glad. Anybody glad that God doesn't hold on to the past? Right? Anybody remember, right, Moses on the mountain with God, how long? Forty days and and the people are like, where'd Moses go? So then they go to his brother, his name was Aaron, and they're like, hey, build us some kind of idol. Give us and so Aaron being a dum-dum, just go ahead and say, Aaron being a says, sure, bring me all your gold. He makes a golden calf for them. And yet not long after, what this is not long after. Guys, this was all within that first year. So within literally a month, if not less, they had been just stupid. And yet then God still steps in, and he blesses them and dwells with them. No matter how dumb you have been in the past, God still wants to dwell with you. You know what he doesn't do? Yeah, but you know what? A month ago, hmm. He just stepped in and says, I'm going to dwell with you. And now for us, because of what Christ has done, we, we get to be his temple. And everything is about this. And this has been said numerous times here at Chapel Point. We're going to continue to say it. Everything in our life is about God's glory and God's purpose. God's glory and God's purpose. God's glory and God's purpose is the ultimate goal for everything you do in life. And we do not have the words in our language to describe God's glory, but things like perfection comes to mind, and greatness, and holiness. John fifteen, where it says abiding, I, I think about God desiring to abide. In one of the books, in Isaiah, love the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter six. give me a moment I got a new Bible they don't turn very well yet got to wear the pages out in Isaiah chapter 6 this is this is talking about Israel's vision of the Lord so think about what if this is Chapel Point's vision for the Lord says seraphims came together Seraphim, the six wings okay and um, these are these are godly beings spiritual beings and it says they come together each had six wings with two he covered his face and with two he would cover his feet and with two he flew and one would call to another and they said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth the entire earth is full of his glory And friends, here's what we need to try to compute. Did you know this is talking about the entire earth, holy, 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 being full of his glory. And yet he desires his glory to be in you. That you are his temple. And I know it's hard. It tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Verse 4 says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Maybe your mind, you're just, there's something there that's blocking your faith and just going, You know what? I believe. It says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the what? Of the what? Maybe this is the question. Are your eyes open to the glory of God? Is your body, your mind, your heart receptive to God truly dwelling with you? I just sent off three of mine to camp. Got a couple more. I'm sending. you know, with, when, whenever you get rid of a few of your kids, you um, have an opportunity to send your other ones to the in-laws. Do I hear an amen? <laughs> and I have that opportunity this week. And I cannot wait to sit with my wife, hold her hand, and to allow God to dwell with us. To pray over each other. And I'm telling you that story just so you know like it's in everything. I'm I'm dumbfounded that God chooses to dwell with me. Because I know how broken I am and how insecure I am, and I know the, the things in my life that Satan has a hold of. And yet God says, but I still want you. Will you allow the glory of the Lord to come and dwell with you? Stop living the same way. Stop living the same way. Stop living the same way. way. So, God, I come before you, and I pray for your glory. I pray for your purpose in all things. May we not be living the same way we did a week ago, much less a month ago, a year ago, ten years ago, because we think we have a full understanding of who you are. God, we can't grasp the greatness of your glory, so please, may we stop settling For the scraps that we think we can pick up. God, this church is your church. It belongs to you. Just simply instruct us. Dwell with us. Reveal your glory to us. And whatever you desire, God, our answer is yes. We're in. Thank you, O Lord. Amen.